My favorite thing to do when I'm commuting or waiting on a long line is hop onto June's journey and escape into a game filled with compelling stories, strong female characters, and a true crime mystery I want to help solve. The game lets you step into the role of June Parker as she tries to figure out who killed her sister. By playing the Hidden Object Mystery mobile game, you put your detective skills to the test. You find clues, play mind-teasing puzzles, and dive into the roaring 1920s. I'm on chapter four and still trying to figure out how these clues will help me crack the case of who did it and why, but I can't do it alone. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. For this Arizona couple, happiness meant having it all. He was very smart with money. A super, super nice house, like a five-car garage, two stories. But a devastating diagnosis would turn their world upside down. He had been diagnosed with early ALS. Imagine having a brain that is exactly the same, but a body that is completely failing you. He had went to sleep last night. Is this really the heartbreaking story of a life and love cut short? Or does the true tragedy go beyond what meets the eye? Okay, here's what I think happened. She's like, this crazy guy's trying to kill us. This man either is nuts or they have stumbled upon a major crime. We found with handwritten notes about sexual preferences men had and different intimate details. The lonely widow before she actually was widow. Scared, he was just scared. November 16th, 2012, Prescott, Arizona. Just before noon, a call comes in to the Prescott Police Department's non-emergency line. Hi, my name is Angel Batres, and I'm caregiver for an elderly man. And um, he passed when he sleep last night. 19-year-old Angel tells the operator that his patient, David Mueller, suffered from the terminal illness ALS. Okay, and about how old is he? He's 52. He had um, Lou Gehrig's disease. If there's someone who's deceased, police will respond. Even if it's a hospice, police will respond just to ensure that there's nothing suspicious that took place. Around 11.45, patrol officers and paramedics arrive at the upscale Mueller residence. Angel directs them to the master bedroom where they find David lying in bed. They find David unresponsive and cold to the touch in the bed. They would check the patient, see if there's any chance of, um, you know, bringing them back, and their assessment was that he was gone. At David's bedside is his wife, 48-year-old Cynthia Mueller. She is visibly distraught. When the authorities showed up, um, Cynthia was still on the floor bawling. She was speaking in like disbelief, can't believe this happened. Another caregiver, 61-year-old Chuck Todd, attempts to console her. 
He was laying there peacefully. There was no blood, no sign of a struggle. There was no sign of anything. He looked like he was well cared for. He's, he's face up, he was clean. It just looked like a natural passing. But could something evil be at the root of David's death? For many years, David Mueller and his wife, Cynthia, enjoyed a comfortable life together in their sprawling Prescott home. For Cynthia, this luxurious lifestyle was a far cry from her humble upbringing. Her father is in the military. They're moving around all of the time, so she's being ripped in and out of schools. A lot of what happened with her early on in life is going to make her a very independent person, very driven to make sure that she finds her own success. When it came time for college, Cynthia enrolled at Arizona State University in Tempe, majoring in public programming. No longer being shuttled from one military base to the next, Cynthia became a social butterfly. Her good looks didn't hurt either. She was tall, she was pretty, um, very outgoing. Cynthia, an attractive woman, definitely an extrovert, didn't have any problem in social settings. As the years passed, Cynthia seemed to always have a boyfriend by her side. It wasn't until 1999, at the age of 35, that Cynthia met the man who would become her husband. Cynthia was working for APS. It was at APS that Cynthia met an engineer, David Mueller, who they struck up a friendship. 38-year-old David was a brainy engineer who'd landed in Phoenix after growing up in Michigan. David, you know, was driven. He and his dad would sit there and have, you know, technical conversation. He was very intelligent. We wanted to go to med school, but he switched to civil engineering, which made a lot more sense to me. He wasn't a social guy. He dated occasionally when he was in college and stuff, but I never saw too much interest in that. For Cynthia, a woman who was used to having men fawn over her, David was different and also a challenge. She saw this guy and was very interested in him and had to pursue him. He wasn't interested at first and had to convince him to go out with her. But after their first date, David fell hard for Cynthia. David was approaching 40. I think he thought he would never be married and he would never have kids. All of a sudden, he saw a future that he didn't think would ever happen. Just a few months after they started dating, David proposed. Cynthia said yes. The two were happier than they'd ever been. Their bosses, however, were not. APS had a no dating fellow employees rule, and it came out that, you know, they were dating and they broke the rules. David got demoted back to subcontractor, and Cynthia, I believe, got let go. A few months later, David accepted a job as a contractor at the Palo Verde nuclear plant in Tonopah, Arizona. The pay was extremely good, so good that Cynthia no longer needed to work. Instead, she spent her newfound free time planning the wedding of her dreams. It was like a whirlwind relationship. I don't even think it was six months from the time they met to the time they were walking down the aisle. It was that fast. After tying the knot, Cynthia and David began building the family they had both longed for, adding a daughter and, five years later, a son. They purchased a home in Prescott 
to provide a safe environment for their children. It was a house on kind of like the outskirts of town, like kind of in the forest where the mountains are. It was a super, super nice house. Thanks to some wise financial planning, the house was something David could easily afford. He knew how to take care of his money, too. And he wasn't going to spend it frivolously. He tried to give her, you know, what she wanted. This is the American dream, right? We have Cynthia staying at home, raising her children, becoming very active in her community. She and David are very active in their church. Then, in 2009, David began experiencing some unusual health problems. All of a sudden, David starts having numbness in his limbs. He could not do things with his hands that he used to be able to do. He would be walking and stumbling for no reason. They didn't know what was going on. David's doctor delivered a diagnosis that blindsided the couple. We went to the doctor, and he had been diagnosed with early ALS. ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, imagine having a brain that is exactly the same as it was before your diagnosis, but a body that is completely failing you. The disease progressed quickly. By 2010, David was wheelchair-bound and unable to work. Cynthia stepped up to the plate. She needs to find a job that gives her the flexibility, and she's able to do that with real estate. In fact, she starts flipping properties in Prescott uh, and is able to keep everything copacetic, keep the family going. But as David's disease continued to progress, it became clear to Cynthia that she needed help. She hired a nanny to help with the kids, and in the summer of 2012, she hired 18-year-old Angel Batres Estrada as David's in-home caregiver. I first met David at Granite Gate, which is a care facility. After a good month or two, he asked me to go and do private caregiving at his house. We'd get him up in the morning, take him to the bathroom, toilet him and everything, and then he had a power chair that he rode around in. And he just basically chilled in that all day. Then, in November, Cynthia's father offered to send help in the form of a fellow veteran and family friend, Chuck Todd. 61-year-old Chuck was looking for a change of scenery after a failed marriage. Chuck Todd was a snowbird from Washington State. He had had medical issues in the past, so it apparently was better for his condition to be in warmer weather at that time. Chuck proposed that, in exchange for a bed in Cynthia and David's basement, he would care for David at night for free. Cynthia jumped at the offer. He came down in this cool little convertible car and brought everyone presents. Everyone's happy to see him. With a nanny, Chuck, and Angel on board, Cynthia felt the situation was finally under control. She did what she could, you know, in a, in a tough situation. She hung in there. Their luck had finally seemed to change, which makes David's passing on November 16, 2012, all the more difficult to fathom. Cynthia continues to be uh, exactly as you would expect a heartbroken wife to be, knowing that her husband has just passed away. Me and Chuck had to kind of restrain her and pull her out of the room, where she once again fell on the floor and just falling. While the scene appears to be the end of a heartbreaking chapter in Cynthia's life, investigators will soon learn that there may be more to David's death than meets the eye. Coming up, officers on the scene hit a roadblock. They refused to sign off on that death certificate. And an unusual situation becomes even more bizarre. 
she's like, this crazy guy's trying to kill us. Police in Prescott, Arizona, are gathering information in the death of 52-year-old David Mueller, who suffered from ALS. David's caregiver of four months, Angel Estrada, tells police that he was in disbelief to discover that David had passed. Everything that he needed, I had to take care of. I became friends with him. I learned the man's life. Like, I knew his beliefs. I knew how he thought, everything. It's like just seeing a friend pass away. Angel says that just before noon on November 16th, he found David unresponsive in his bed. He was back there just checking on him. That's when he found out that Mr. Mueller was deceased and in turn called the Prescott Police Department. Authorities thought that this was the natural progression of ALS, of Lou Gehrig's disease. They thought that he had finally succumbed to his disease. Following protocol, the responding officers notify David's physician of his passing and request that he sign the death certificate. However, David's doctor is surprised to learn that David is deceased. David's doctor believed that David, while very sick, was not in immediate peril. He did not believe that David was going to pass away from his disease anytime soon. And he refused to sign off on that death certificate. He said David Mueller was not in the terminal stages of his disease, and therefore he did not think he should have died from ALS. With that, patrol officers have no choice but to call in detectives. And everything on the scene looked consistent with someone who had passed away of natural causes as David Mueller was found. Lividity was present with his body, consistent with the way he was lying, indicating he hadn't been moved. Detectives want to talk to the three people who were present when officers first arrived, caretakers Angel Estrada and Chuck Todd, as well as David's wife, Cynthia. However, it appears Cynthia is still in no condition to speak to police. At that time, Miss Mueller was reported to us as being distraught, too distraught to really talk. There really was not a lot of information that we received from Cynthia Mueller as far as details go. The patrol officer did speak with, with her briefly, but there wasn't a lot of information related to us. Instead, detectives turn to Chuck Todd and Angel Estrada. Angel explains that he is a professional caregiver who works full-time for the Mueller's. Chuck tells them he is also a caregiver of sorts. Asked him to expand on his relationship to the family and that he was just a, quote, longtime family friend, unquote. And he advised me basically that he was there helping out the family with Mr. Mueller. Police ask Angel and Chuck to pace them through the events prior to David's death. David usually wakes up around 9.30, 9.45. But that morning, with David still asleep at 11 a.m., Angel became concerned. So I go over there and I start calling David's name um, just to try to wake him up. I tap on his foot, which was um, exposed out of the blanket. And once I do, I feel that his foot's cold. I go farther up his leg, probably onto his shin, and I tap him on there too, and it's cold too. Angel says that at that point, he called out for Chuck. He comes in like, hey, what do you need? And I'm like, David passed away. 
Angel and Chuck tell detectives that, at the time, Cynthia was out running errands. Cynthia is not actually home when the caregiver discovers David in the bed. In fact, she had just dropped off the nanny at college. I call the police department. I tell Chuck to call Cynthia and tell her what's happened. We tell her that she needs to come home, and it's an emergency. And at first, she resists it. She like, wants to know what's going on, refuses to come home until we tell her. So we just tell her, like, it's something that needs to be addressed while we're here. According to Angel, Cynthia arrived just minutes ahead of the first responders. She gets home, and she walks in, and that's when Chuck kind of grabs her by the shoulder and tells her that David has passed away in his sleep. She went over and started beating on his chest and trying to give him CPR and slapping him on the face and wake up, wake up. She has like this look of disbelief on her face and just kind of throws herself to the ground, just bawling. Detectives ask the two, when was the last time they saw David alive? Chuck says he heard David around 2 a.m. He apparently would snore and people could hear him in there. Both Chuck and Angel appear to be telling the truth. There didn't appear to be a whole lot of information or suspicious activity that would have led us to believe a crime occurred. They were not going to do an autopsy based on the fact that he had a terminal illness, and that was the likely cause of death. With no autopsy slated to be performed, David's remains are turned over to the family, who informed detectives that David had left specific instructions regarding his body. David Mueller's wishes had been that he goes to a medical research facility. On November 16th, David's body is released to a facility in Phoenix. Over the next few days, his loved ones struggle to come to terms with the news of his death. We were sad, especially sad because he was not going to get to see his kids grow up. What's not unexpected took him way too young. But, you know, unfortunately, bad things happen to good people. And it happened to him. As David's family is mourning his passing, a bizarre sequence of events is about to unfold. It starts on the morning of November 24th, eight days after David's death and almost 200 miles away. In Henderson, Nevada, a woman suddenly calls 911, saying that she is being stalked and harassed by a man. In fact, she's driving at the time on the phone with police and telling them that that man is following her and at times pulls up alongside her. And you can hear them yelling at each other back and forth as they're going down the road. As the caller tries to distance herself from her pursuer, she identifies herself to the operator. Her name is Cynthia Jane Mueller. As for the man following her, Cynthia identifies him, too. She looks over and sees Chuck Todd driving next to her. They're speeding. They're going down. She's trying to get away. Todd's trying to run him off the road. Cynthia tells the operator her kids are in the car. And as she narrates the events as they are unfolding, it's clear to the operator that Cynthia fears for their lives. She pulls off into this gas station, alerted the patrons there that this crazy guy's trying to kill us. Coming up, police in Henderson attempt to defuse a terrifying situation and quickly learn there's something even more troubling to come. He said, oh, you want to know what's really going on? He was extorting and said, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. 
and the mystery around David's death deepens. I mean, why do you why think Chuck did it? Because he loves me, he told me. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Detectives in Prescott, Arizona have concluded that 52-year-old David Mueller died of natural causes inside his Arizona home. Then, one week later, police 200 miles away in Henderson, Nevada, get a call from David's distraught widow, Cynthia Mueller. Cynthia claims that one of David's caregivers, Chuck Todd, is trying to run her off the road. She pulls into this gas station in, in Henderson, and Todd quickly pulls in afterwards, and cops come. They release Cynthia, and then they arrest Todd. Henderson police take Chuck to the station for questioning. Within the hour, detectives in Prescott receive a game-changing call. It was a Saturday morning, and I got a telephone call from Henderson Police Department saying that they had a subject in custody they identified as Chuck Todd. I ended up speaking with the detective about what had occurred, specifically Chuck's statement on what he had told the Henderson Police Department. When police ask what brought Chuck and Cynthia to Henderson, Chuck explains that after Cynthia's husband died, she thought the best way to help her children cope with their loss was to take a little vacation. They go up to this RV park where Chuck Todd is, and they're doing stuff with the kids. They're taking them to the water park. But Chuck says that while they were at the RV park, he and Cynthia got into a bit of a squabble. She and Chuck Todd got into an argument, and she packed up the stuff and left. Chuck claims that he never tried to follow her and had coincidentally crossed paths with her on his way to the gas station. He says that he had just so happened to see them driving on the road and that ended up following her when she parked over to a gas station. He parks over there. Chuck insists the whole thing was one big misunderstanding. But according to the detective, it was clear that Chuck was getting more irritated by the minute. He was getting more and more agitated. At the time, he blurted out something in anger. 
They said something to the effect of, oh, you want to know what's really going on? She and I just committed a murder in Prescott. They realized that this man either is nuts or they have stumbled upon a major crime. We're a little bit skeptical, just by nature of doing the job. But when somebody's making an accusation like Mr. Todd made, you have to take it serious and you have to follow it through. Is it possible that the murder he is confessing to is David Mueller's? If they want to answer that question, there's one thing detectives must do first. We were scrambling at that point to locate David Mueller's body. Detectives reach out to David's physician, who puts them in touch with the research facility in Phoenix where the body was sent. But the facility explains that David's remains are no longer there. It was determined that he had a condition that wouldn't allow them to do research on his body. So based on that, they had sent him to a crematory in Phoenix. It was scheduled for cremation that day. We had to hightail it down there and get the body secured. The entire unit basically scrambled like at that point. One detective, hey, you have to track down David Mueller's body. One detective was trying to verify what's going on with Chuck Todd and see if we have to extradite him back. I was working on the search warrant affidavit uh, to present to a judge for Cynthia Mueller's residence. On November 24th, the body is secured and transported back to the Yavapai County Medical Examiner's Office. But one question remains. Did Cynthia conspire with Chuck in order to murder David? Or was Chuck lying in order to cover his own true motives? Detectives believe there's one way to find out. We attempted a ruse telephone call with her from the medical research facility. I'm in charge of the dissemination of the body parts and organs and tissue. And I was doing the preliminary checks on, on your late husband and some of the stuff's just not, not adding up. During this call, the detective who was posing as one of these people at the medical research facility said that he had seen David's body and it appeared he didn't pass naturally and it appeared to be a murder. Posing as the researcher, the detective tells Cynthia that he believes she's the one who murdered David. And if she doesn't pay him some hush money, he's going to the cops. You need to do something for me in return. We can have this whole thing cleared up tonight. I would admit to something I didn't do. She didn't play ball. She just essentially acted very confused and hung up. Is Cynthia telling the truth? Shortly after the phone call, a judge signs off on a warrant to search the Mueller residence. When detectives arrive, Cynthia immediately tells them about the call. She said something to the effect of, I got the weirdest phone call, with the presumption that she was referring to the ruse phone call. While CSIs scour the home for signs of foul play, detectives escort Cynthia to the station. We were contacted by a homicide investigator down there in Phoenix who was contacted by that biological services, and they did see evidence consistent with an asphyxiation. I'd like to ask you what's going on, and you go from there, you know? Okay, here's what I think happened, James. Instead of talking about David's death, Cynthia steers the conversation toward Chuck Todd. It turns out Cynthia had met Chuck at the very RV park she had just left, long before Chuck moved in to care for her husband. This is where I met Chuck Todd, and he was a married man, and he is a Marine, and he's like my dad's age. 
Cynthia claims she thought Chuck was nice, but over the next several months, she didn't think much more about him. That is, until her father suggested that Chuck move in to help her care for David. Cynthia was thrilled to have the help, but once Chuck arrived, she could tell he had other ideas. He kept coming on to me a lot there, and I think he alluded himself that, that we were gonna be a couple or something. According to Cynthia, she said that he had a romantic interest in her, but she didn't have one in him. Is it possible Chuck killed David in order to have Cynthia all to himself? Detectives pose that question to Cynthia, but getting a clear-cut answer from her proves tricky. Our interview was very nonlinear. It was very difficult to keep her on focus when I was interviewing her. Then, two hours into the interview, Cynthia does an abrupt about-face. She says, you know what? I heard Chuck Todd say he strangled or murdered someone. He said he strangled somebody? Yeah, and I think he said he strangled David. I mean, why do you why think he Chuck did it? Because he loves me, he told me. Just as Cynthia dropped this bombshell, she immediately ends the interview. And she stands up in the interview room saying she wants to leave. Based on that, she has every right to terminate the interview, so we, we ceased it. There's no physical evidence. Nobody's admitting to it other than Mr. Todd, but she's not admitting to it. It's either Chuck's lying and David died of natural causes, or Chuck murdered David, and now he's trying to drag Cynthia into it, or he's telling the truth, and they both committed the murder, so we had to determine which scenario took place. On the morning of November 25th, the Yavapai County Medical Examiner's Office begins its examination of David Mueller's body. The body had arrived, and they're ready to do the autopsy, which I believe was about 8 that morning. I shot over there and, and assisted. What was relayed to me, I couldn't believe it. It was just, it was crazy. You have the ME saying, I may not be able to tell you exactly what killed David Mueller, but I can tell you what didn't. ALS did not kill him. Coming up, tawdry new allegations raise even more questions about Cynthia's statement. They begin this rather salacious affair. Investigators in Prescott, Arizona, are working to unravel the true story behind 52-year-old David Mueller's death. Not only is Chuck Todd confessing to murdering David Mueller, but he's actually saying that he had help. Police weren't sure if he was telling the truth or if David's wife, Cynthia, was also involved, as Chuck Todd claimed. Investigators hope the coroner will be able to clearly identify David's cause of death. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. Essentially, he was searching all obvious causes of death in the human body and found none. While David's cause of death is inconclusive, the medical examiner does feel certain about one thing. The medical examiner said he did not die from ALS. Prescott detectives pay a visit to Henderson, Nevada, where Chuck Todd is being held. 
the detectives bring Chuck Todd in. And the first thing he says is, hey, guys, I made the whole thing up. You know, I was just trying to get even with that lady. According to Chuck, he made the whole murder story up to exact revenge on Cynthia for ending their love affair, an affair Chuck claims began six months earlier when he met Cynthia at the RV park in nearby Boulder City. Cynthia was up there visiting her father, and at that point, somehow, they were introduced to each other. According to Charles Todd, that's where they first begin this rather salacious affair. Chuck says that over the next six months, Cynthia often left her husband David in the care of Angel Estrada and would slip away to have sex with Chuck. Chuck also claims that just a couple weeks before David's death, Cynthia, not her father, asked him to move in with her. She finds a, a use for him back here in Prescott under the assumption that he's coming here to help her and help her take care of her husband. But Chuck says that when David died, Cynthia's passion toward him quickly began to cool. And at the RV park in Boulder City, Cynthia dumped him. For her to say, I don't need you anymore. And that really hit him to the core. According to Chuck, he was so angry and heartbroken that he decided to make the false claim that Cynthia had conspired with him to murder her ailing husband. He might be trying to say that she did things that she didn't because he is heartbroken and doesn't have anything left to lose. Detectives aren't buying it. My initial response to him is like, hey, sorry, Chuck, it's too late. Can't play that game anymore. And he said, OK, fine. You know, I did it. Let's just get this thing over with. And then he started going into a couple hour interview and telling us what occurred. Chuck tells them that on the night of November 15th, Cynthia brought up an unexpected topic, how to kill her husband. When they're out in the garage drinking wine and smoking cigarettes, she said, hey, he's going to die anyways. You know, what do you think we can do to make it quicker? And he said he'd seen it in a movie or something where somebody did the plastic bag and the pillow, so he kind of threw that out there. Chuck tells police he didn't think much else of it until they went into David's room around 2 AM to check on him. He said that he walked in the room with her, and she pulls out a plastic bag. They took a plastic bag, and they wrapped it around David Mueller's head, and then pressed a pillow over his face. Chuck Todd said he had restrained David's right arm while Cynthia actually smothered him with the pillow. He put up a fight. He refused to die. He actually physically resisted. And after that, they put the pillow back, removed the plastic bag, left the room. He said Cynthia told him this is going to be the best relationship of your life. And he was under the impression there was a lot of money coming his way. They had a nice home. And there was going to be a lot of benefit to him coming down the road. Chuck tells detectives that a few days later, after David's body was delivered to the research facility, he and Cynthia took her children to the RV park in Boulder City. Chuck thought they'd be celebrating their six-month anniversary and the fact that they could now openly be together. But Cynthia had other plans. I don't even think it was a week after her husband died that she cut him off completely. She told him that she didn't need him anymore. He was so upset with her that he implicated himself. With Chuck Todd's third and most salacious statement now in tow, detectives aren't sure what's fact and what's fiction. Just because Mr. Todd says that this is what happened, we have to know for a fact, beyond a reasonable doubt, that this is what happened and this is who did it. However, 
Chuck's statement does give them enough ammunition to place him under arrest and charge him with first-degree murder. Unfortunately, detectives will need more concrete evidence before they can charge Cynthia with any crime. So, they decide to reach out to David's primary caregiver, Angel Estrada, and his helper, Juan Navarez. Uh, he said originally he was at an assisted living facility where David was staying. He had at least a several-month relationship with David. He became like a best friend to me. The two men tell detectives that they could tell the Mueller's marriage was toxic from the moment they began caring for David. I observed some good times, but it was quickly overshadowed by all the tension and all the arguments between Cynthia and David. There were disagreements over money and what was to be done with certain money that they had had. They were very, very bitter with each other. They were always arguing. It was just, just ugly. According to Angel and Juan, the situation was so bad that David had expressed fear for his life. David told me more than once that he was afraid. He said, they're trying to kill me in this house. It just came out of nowhere, so it freaked me out too, but he was having these type of feelings for a while. He believes that he was trying to poison him. He goes into a state of where he's delirious almost. He thinks that people are out to kill him. He would have days where he was completely fine or other days where he was just completely lost. And so at the time, I didn't think about it until later on, but that was the first indication. Angel and Juan tell detectives that David was so convinced Cynthia was trying to kill him that in March 2012, David took matters into his own hands. Cynthia and her children went out to visit her father in Boulder City. And at that time, David was able to transfer from the residence to an assisted living facility. And it was reported that when Cynthia got back, that she was very angry. Juan says that Cynthia quickly moved David back into the family home and that David was more fearful than ever. David was scared by that point, and he was just scared. However, Angel tells detectives that when Chuck Todd showed up, the mood around the Mueller home lightened, at least for Cynthia. I didn't know that anything was actually going on, but I do know that the open sexuality between Chuck and Cynthia was kind of, in my opinion, crossing the boundaries. That wasn't the only time Cynthia's behavior made Angel uncomfortable. He said approximately a couple weeks prior to David's murder, he was sitting there talking to Cynthia. He said she was musing out loud. If you were to murder someone, how would you do it? I was like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, if you were to murder someone, how would you do it? And get away with it. And like, I just kind of like sat there. She came back with, and I think kind of in a lighthearted tone, you know, well, what about smothering them? Looking back at it now, they're just all huge red flags. After speaking to David's caregivers, detectives are certain Cynthia Mueller was the mastermind behind her husband's murder. I think there was a very clear linear pattern of behavior leading to David's murder that showed preparation, showed planning, showed knowledge and foresight that she was going to kill David Mueller and enlisted the help of Chuck Dodd to do it. Coming up, detectives hone in on their suspect and look for her weak spot. That she was very angry that David was accessing that money. But as the investigation around her tightens, a new witness threatens to derail the entire case. Somebody actually slept with her that night.
Prescott, Arizona, 2013. Authorities believe 48-year-old Cynthia Mueller and her alleged lover, 61-year-old Chuck Todd, conspired to murder Cynthia's terminally ill husband, David. She became extremely angry when she got the first bill for the assisted living facility. So if there was a, a cataclysmic event that really started to downspiral, that may have been it right there. Detectives decide to take a closer look at the couple's finances. It turns out the Mueller's weren't quite as well off as they appeared. They were having difficulties financially. They were already behind on their mortgage. They were behind on all kinds of different bills, credit cards, those kind of things. In fact, the family's primary source of income was the proceeds from David's life insurance policy. He had a life insurance policy that he was able to draw off of because he was terminal. The original life insurance policy was 400,000. They chose to take 200,000 out, where he secured a bank account with only his information on it because he wanted to go to his care and not allow Cynthia access to it. The longer he was alive, the more money that was being spent from his insurance. Daily, she was losing money. Then, detectives finally catch the break they've been looking for. You start to learn all kinds of different things when you have access to an email, some things showed up when we were, were doing searches on Mrs. Mueller. She has signed up to all of these dating sites and is going on dates with men and telling them that her husband is already dead. The image she was projecting was the, the lonely widow. It had been a long illness and that she was sad. She was researching Dr. Jack Kevorkian, euthanasia and death with dignity. We found his keyword searches on her computer. Detectives now believe they have enough evidence to arrest Cynthia Mueller for the murder of her husband. And on April 4th, 2013, they make their move. I advised her she was under the arrest for the murder of David Mueller, and I think she said, you're kidding me. Cynthia Mueller was ultimately charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, fraud schemes, felony theft, and a misuse power of attorney. When I found out that Cynthia was arrested, it really, it was devastating for me just because of the kids. In May 2015, Cynthia's trial gets underway inside a Yavapai County, Arizona courtroom. The state's theory was that Cynthia's motive for, for taking David's life was monetary. The state parades all of these witnesses in. They build a fairly substantial but solid case of the, the mindset of Cynthia. But the biggest witness for the state is Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd was a crucial witness for our case. I mean, he was able to say exactly what happened in that room. And all the external facts supported what he said. Cynthia's defense team pushes back on the state's assertions and claims that if anyone had a motive to kill David Mueller, it's the man now sitting on the witness stand. Todd's the jilted lover, and in his mind anyway, and Cynthia denies that, that it happened in that fashion. She denies that she ever had an affair with him. They are trying to paint Chuck Todd as a stalker, as an obsessed man who wanted to have a relationship with Cynthia, and for whatever reason, she was refusing him, and he had an ax to grind, and he was going to bring her down with it. The defense then calls their own sensational witness, Natasha, the former nanny to the Mueller children. Natasha claims she was in the Mueller home the night of the alleged murder. 
and tells the court her version of what happened that night. Todd and Cynthia are out in the garage smoking, drinking wine. Cynthia becomes extremely drunk, according to Natasha. Cynthia is so intoxicated at that point in time that she literally falls down in the hallway, that Natasha has to help her up and physically put her in bed. According to Natasha, she and Cynthia stayed in Cynthia's bed all night. And Natasha actually slept with her that night. So our theory was, at least based upon what Natasha had to say, Todd clearly does this on his own, thinking that he is going to, you know, gain Cynthia's love by, by doing this. But prosecutors don't believe that ever happened. And in their closing arguments, they remind jurors of Chuck Todd's testimony just days earlier. According to Todd, Natasha's asleep. And that together they go into David's room and take a pillow. And Chuck Todd physically smothers David. With so many different versions of events, when the jury begins its deliberations, a guilty verdict seems far from a sure thing. You don't have any physical evidence in this case. You just have one man's confession dragging another woman into a crime. On June 11th, the jury announces they have reached a decision. They convicted her of every single thing that she was accused of and gave her the strongest sentence that she could have possibly received. She's now serving a life sentence. Her conviction was um, sweet, and it was peace and justice for David. I felt relief, and I felt like justice was served. This seemed like a particularly heinous crime. I can't even begin to fathom the horror that David Mueller went through in the weeks and months leading up to his, his murder. For more information on Snapped, go to Oxygen.com. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients. Popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.